Voices, a fresh perspective on voting, politics, and power. Okay. Um, all right. Hey, y'all. Um, we are back. Um, this is PA Youthful with another episode. This is a coffee chat. And this one's going to be about a false diversity. Um, a new topic that me and Miss Angie you know, um, was talking about at a voter registration booth. And we decided it's a very important topic to talk about. Um, do you all want to introduce the topic of false diversity for our audience? So, yeah, um, false diversity is something that's sort of like been prevalent for, I would say, like the past few or maybe even several decades now. And it's sort of like fashionable for institutions and corporations to showcase themselves as being constituted of a racially diverse population or being inclusive on the basis of race, gender, sexuality, and other categories that sort of divide people, I guess. And a lot of times this goes hand in hand with capitalistic endeavors, which is something we're going to touch on. And overall, it's just the idea of a, for example, group or company um, projecting a sense of inclusion, but actually just trying to appear inclusive when they're really not, which is probably not the best way to explain it, but I hope you understand. Yeah. So yeah, to go into like more of like an intro so like everybody can like visualize it, like as like we were talking about before, like with film, um, how like shows our tv producers will introduce shows or talk about shows um as if they're supposed to be diverse or they'll talk about like they set about doing like the show in hopes to like become more diverse but they end up kind of like playing into stereotypes of like people of color um or they'll they'll make the characters kind of like flat um or like they won't have like a personality or kind of like an arc of their own um and i guess what are some examples um because i'm thinking like the vampire diaries the first example i thought of i don't know how you're gonna feel about this is gibby off of icarly because no no for real because let's think about (laughs) he did not have an actual story Like, he was just the funny, you know, like, fat white kid, like, in iCarly. And the reason why is because of his body type, I feel like. That's just, like, he could have easily had a story. Like, Freddie and Sam had a story. Carly had a story. I think even Spencer had his own little story or whatever. Like, you know, with Carly and him connecting with their dad or whatever. Gibby never actually had a story. He was just funny. You know, and I think part of that was because he is, his body type was not in the, you know, very colonial, you know, like structure that we need to see men in all the time. And because of that, they had to make his personality flat. Um, like you said, like that's just a, for example, I came up with 
I don't know how y'all resonate with that, but that's what I thought of immediately. I think that's a really good example, especially when considering like, it's a character in a children's show and children are like developing their personalities, they're very impressionable and they're sort of forming their views on the world and themselves. And I think that, you know, representation um, in the media, especially for kids, sort of, you know, you want to see yourself represented as a kid, you know, and you want to feel connected with someone you see on a screen and you want to see your identity represented. And I think that whether it be um, stereotypes associated with gender, race, body type, sexuality, those kinds of things cause people to feel inferior to certain identities or they feel the need to align themselves with the stereotype or feel that sort of the sense of like, I would guess just like feeling alone and isolation when you realize that, um, you know, media doesn't really represent you in the proper way. And it re- leads to a lot of like internalized, like, you know, bigotry, racism, internalized sexism, internalized homophobia, you know, all kinds of things. And I didn't mean to like make Gibby really serious there, but just, um, you know, I said, as I said earlier, kids are really impressionable and not seeing yourself in media representation can have like really bad effects in terms of like self-esteem and how you view yourself and how you approach the world around you, how you view others. And in general, I think it's really important that kids are represented in a way that isn't just giving, um, you know, just conceding to stereotypes, I guess. Yeah. I agree. And I feel like going along the lines of like children, like we t- we like learned about this a little bit in developmental psychology, but um, children develop these things called like schema, which basically create like their whole kind of world outlook. Um, and it's basically like they see patterns of repeated behavior and they kind of build a model in their head in a sense that allows them to like develop like ideas and um, thoughts about the world. And so like when kids see like these repeated instances of like, these characters that like look like this always act in these ways. Like the fat people are always funny. The black people are always like the best friend, like the, and they're never like the main character or they never have like much of a personality, like et cetera, et cetera. People are uh, like, like other racial stereotypes. And those are how those are presented on TV. Um, Like they'll end up either like fighting kind of between the urge to like buy into those stereotypes or reject them or like if they don't fit in with them like they'll feel like some type of way like I feel like it's very like in a sense kind of harmful to have like that type of representation yeah because if you're not seeing yourself doing those main character things then you don't think that you can achieve those and it's almost like you don't belong in a certain environment or if the white main character or straight main character is getting what everything that they want in their life is turning out perfect but their best friend is just like off on the side just kind of there to support them and they don't get their own personality like you were saying their personality is flat then maybe that person doesn't get to see what the main character does and they don't and then if you identify with that best friend then you're not gonna think that you can do those things that the main character could yeah that's that's a really that's a really good point and i think um you know seeing those representations of yourself really just affect your self-esteem and your mental health so much like when you see yourself finally represented in media and then you see it in a very one-dimensional way it's like 
am I supposed to be one dimensional? Like, you know, it's it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of crazy. Um, like, and th- that's why I think um, certain shows, like a lot of shows really do give into this false diversity type idea, but also a lot of things break away from that. Um, like, for example, like when we talk about, you know, um, like school curriculum and stuff, right? Like, I think Octavia Butler is like the perfect example of like accurately representing the Black femme experience because it's like, you know, I'm reading Parable of the Soul right now. And, you know, we talked about before, before we started the recording or whatever, that like usually when it's like a Black woman, they never portray her in a romantic way or in like this free spirited, um, sensitive way. She's always like strong. She's always going through a traumatic experience or whatever and although it's scenes like that a lot in parable of the sower and in a lot of octavia butler's books um romance is still in you know parable of the sower and also it's like it's hope it's you know it's um trying to find a way where you can define yourself outside of trauma and stuff like that like those are the stories that we need and ironically we don't see a lot of these things in the classroom right like my ap lit class was basically just white old timey type classics like you know like people grew up thinking that 1984 is the best dystopian novel that will ever exist and that is just like come on <laughs> like you know like we just need something new like like i did I, it, it was until my sophomore year that i found out that George Washington um, actually used so many loopholes with his slaves. Like he used to send them out on trips once the six month time mark was up and then bring them back so he can have his slaves for longer. Like people literally don't know any of this because history, media, and everything is just so whitewashed and given this very like false narrative of diversity. Like, Yes, we'll teach about Black people, but we don't want to make it too harsh for the audience. Like, come on. Yeah, I feel like everything within school curriculum seems like very self-contained, especially when it comes to like history. It's like after like the civil rights movement, like everything was fine. Like nothing happened. And even when it comes to like slavery and talking about like, cause America like has a very, very bloody, very, very like non great past. Like despite like all, like they say their ideals are like, they haven't really fall through. <laughs> um, like if you just look at any history book, any of the like the, the rights or laws that they've passed in order to protect the rights of white men like um, I remember something that I did like I like I didn't even I didn't even touch about it, but um, it's like this law that they passed when like Chinese immigrants were coming to stop them from getting jobs or stuff like that. Like there like there are a lot of like for all like the land of the eagle or whatever like a lot of things that are whitewashed or just completely just like not in the history books because it wouldn't playing into like the narrative that like the school wants to essentially teach children. I mean, for literally in our high school, our high school is named after Bayard Rustin. I don't think I've ever once learned about Bayard Rustin, despite him being like 
a gay civil rights activist, like a profound one that was monumental in the movement and we just never learn about him, which is really upsetting. But yeah, schools just really need to do a better job of including all types of history, like black history that is, it might be uncomfortable to learn about, but it's important to learn about because that's that's where we come from. And if only when we learn from that, can we prevent it from happening again. Yeah, one thing I did want to touch on was like, is there ever a time where diversity is too much? Because I don't know if you are familiar with like Kendrick Lamar um, in his new album. And there's a song called Auntie Diaries where he talked about his experience with like growing up with like trans like um relatives and um his experience was very raw and he portrayed it in a very you know not sugar-coated way um but in that way he ended up saying things like he ended up misgendering his his relatives he ended up saying the f slur about like nine times um and like you can very much argue that that was a uh, art, uh, um, authentic portrayal of his childhood and a diverse portrayal because you don't really get that in hip-hop ever. When when somebody is saying the F-slur in a hip-hop song, they're usually saying it like in a bad way. <laughs> um, but in this time, it was, it was in a way that's like showing like the audience why you shouldn't say it. So I was just wondering like, when do y'all think that, you know, you know, portraying your experience in an authentic way and, and, and being diverse, um, like in your experience, is ever too much? Is there ever an experience where it's too much or like, you know, too raw or whatever? Yeah. I don't think it's not necessarily like ever too much because I feel like with that example, you can kind of like play the devil's advocate with it that because there isn't that much representation on hip hop, like there isn't like in a sense, like in mainstream pop culture there isn't that much like representation or songs about like the trans experience that like his song could be used as kind of like an example or like a prop um because like i feel like the, like you can be open and raw about your experiences whether they be like positive or negative but like in this there should always be like a variety to choose from like it's like in school like you're not allowed to just like take something from one source like the way that society should function is that like even if there are negative or positive portrayals like oh, negative like there should be like many more like there should be a, like a diverse range of like sources that you could pick from where like that song wouldn't be like your only like thing if that makes sense I think that makes sense in what you're saying and like that can't be the only example so that we need to kind of let more examples come into society so that we have that choice to yeah. pick like from. Society needs to be more accepting of like those narratives essentially. And speaking of having choices, you know, of you know, echo representations of diversity, I think it's I think it's very important to talk about college admissions when we talk about false diversity because you know probably in like your sophomore year and you know past up up until your senior year the end of your senior year, you'll be getting brochures and mail from a bunch of colleges you know that you may or may not be interested in and they will make their front covers appear like heaven um they will 
put so many black and brown people on the front cover and only have about 8% of us in total. Um, and yeah, I just think it's important to talk about like how a lot of times, you know, these corporations and institutions who, you know, portray themselves as diverse but don't actually incorporate true values of diversity include colleges, like literally, like I think like this is you know my senior year and I had to apply to a bunch of colleges and like I think that my application was very raw and, and very personal and there were a lot of colleges that were you know like basically advocating and making me feel so safe and saying like you know we accept stories like these and then I got a rejection letter. <laughs> um, thank goodness that I, you know, got into a college that really values me as a, a person and gave me money. But um, yeah, oftentimes it's not the case. Like oftentimes, you know, the only way that black and brown people or queer people or working class people can get included in these really elite spaces is if they're closer to whiteness. I agree. It reminds me of this, like, I don't know if you've seen the TikTok of the guy in the car and he's like, I've only gone to private school. I got a job that you only wished you could have. Um, no, because I saw that same thing and I was, it made me so angry, but go ahead, girl. Ugh. Yeah, but like the only way that like black people are included in that space is if that they're wealthy themselves or they come from wealth. And I feel like in those types of like, situ like that video like infuriated me. I'm like, like why? Like, like it's almost like putting down in the sense. It's, it's like wealth is like the biggest thing when it comes to like those, like getting into those colleges. Cause it's so expensive, honestly, to get into college. Like programs, like you need to be able to have time to do all those extracurriculars that like if you were poor, maybe you would need to like invest in a job. Like the college admission processes act so much. Like they want volunteering, they want like you to start a company, they, they want like so-and-so billions of hours of activities. Like they want really high GPA and grades that you can only, like you can only really invest if you have the financial stability to do that, which a lot of people of color don't. Like that's like a generational wealth that only certain groups of people have. Um, yeah, and and I think well, one just for context about that video. So basically, the guy he got a comment on his TikTok video or whatever, and was basically saying like, um, you know, why does the black experience has to be associated with being poor? And then he was giving examples like, you know, I, I've only been in private school. I have a job that you could never get. I have a car that you could never pay for. My rent is more than your whatever. My sneakers cost more than your whatever. Like he was just listing, listing, listing things. And he's just like, yeah, I think being black is more than being working class and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, but the first 30 seconds of your video is you literally being so cocky that half the people literally scrolled up on your video because they was being, you know, they were being demeaned, like, at that point. Um, 
So I think, you know, like environments like that, like, like you only are considered, what's the word, an adequate black person in that space if you only been in private school or if you came from a public school with a bunch of white people who were very rich and wealthy and had IB, all these AP programs and blah, 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 super funded, 6,000 kids in a school. Like, come on, like, it. Th- this is insane, you know? And um, I feel like only a certain group of people, like you said, are they are able to have that experience. And it serves you literally no, like it only perpetuates white supremacy. If the only people who get into Yale and Harvard who are black or who are working class or the ones who are surrounded by wealthy environments. Like, you know, it, I don't know. It's just, it always just makes me a little bit heated. Um, but yeah, like the media does the same thing. Like they only include trans people if they're not too trans or they only include, or they only include like black people if they can, you know, pass as white or be labeled as racially ambiguous or the super aggressive like type person who is always an activist 24 seven each time they get you know a spotlight in the media it's like kind of exhausting at that point um we never just get to exist um and i think college admissions is like the perfect example yeah i think and college admissions being one factor i think another thing sort of related to the whole like wealth gap and just like the correlation between finances and diversity is how diversity has been like commercialized in a sense in a lot of industries. Um, And I think the term for that would be racial capitalism, which I mean has negative consequences for, you know, society as a whole. It's obviously from the word itself, you can probably tell it's not a good thing, but um, it does tie into false diversity in the sense of just like projecting oneself is more you know, colorful or um, inclusive than it actually is in reality. And um, having this sort of like glossy, like the fashion industry, the fashion industry is probably a good example. I think, I think you know where you're kind of going. So having these people like on like the cover of your magazine or something like that, um, that might just be a way to kind of bring people in but then you're not actually supporting them once they are in like it's harder for people to they might see that that companies are projecting like oh we support you if you're a person of color if you're um, part of the lgbtq plus community this this that but once you actually get there in the workplace or in i don't know the fashion industry like Gatru was talking about you're actually kind of discriminated against and people are less accepting of you so people might be pretending to accept you and that could just be to promote their own brand but once you actually get inside the store or you're working for that company you're not actually seeing that in your day-to-day and you really just see that they're using these different um, experiences and people to promote their own brand and make money off of it really dude that that is literally perfect that's (laughs) what i wanted to say but it didn't come out of my mouth it's okay Diversity can't like actually be a positive thing without inclusion was sort of what I wanted to say. And that applies to like everything in the world. I mean, diversity is the reality of 
a workforce or company and like any group and like how what it's like the people it's composed of what it looks like and inclusion is how people feel like the people in a company per se or um consumers of a brand and how they feel and if they feel like they belong that's kind of what i was going for there mm. but back to the fashion industry i feel like underrepresentation and like just racism and tokenism have really like plagued that industry um over you know as long as it's existed in a capitalistic world but um and i think fashion is trying to address this problem i guess you could call it the diversity problem you know like cultural appropriation is a big thing like racist advertising just like no diversity whatsoever if you go back to like the early 2000s and even some brands now it's just cisgender straight white skinny models um on the catwalk and behind the lens and and the behind the lens is also a big thing when you look at um statistically the number of um you know pfc fashion designers who are in the media and actually successful versus um and they're sort of elevated i feel i feel like successful people of color are elevated a lot and they're celebrated but there's only so many that there can be and there can be hundreds of successful white people in whatever field i'm talking about designers but that can apply to everything i don't want to go off on a tangent i feel like i'm touching on a lot of different things here but what i'm trying to say is um how there's almost like limited space for people of color or um you know people who just don't fit like the like i don't want to say wasp but like you know the group of people that society favors i suppose if you're not in that then you're kind of just like you have very limited space to take up yeah and that really just affects the mental health of all of those involved because now we have to have this scarce mindset like now i need to be super perfect like i was talking about serena williams before like like now i need to be super perfect because that's the only way i'll be accepted you know what i'm saying like back to college admissions like now i have to have billions of hours of volunteer work <clears throat> now i have to include all these little things in my you know my resume and all, like do all these things like literally there are people in high school that do things solely of how it will look on their application like they don't even care and i was like one of those people i'm not even going to lie like there are times where i did start thinking i'm like uh i guess this will look good on my resume why not you know what i'm saying not because i actually loved it and it just takes away the fun it takes away the joy of passion and i don't think that's how it really should be like um in my eyes that's basically you slaving away for a corporation at that point or an industry like you're literally- it is a corporation though colleges have like literal billion dollar endowments yes like harvard has like 40 billion that's more than some like endowments across- of yeah countries. like it's countries like it's basically a corporation at that point um yeah looking at how much harvard and yale and princeton own like together would be able to in like like hunger yes like it, it is insane i just can't even fathom um yeah 
But I like I think the thing the one thing that we could do to kind of stop um perpetuating these very harmful systems is having conversations like this. Because problems don't get solved without awareness and conversations like this, you know, bring awareness. Um so I think it's just beautiful that we're having conversations like this because in the nineties this probably would have been unheard of. People are like, What false diversity? You better be grateful to have even a black person on TV. You know what I'm saying? No, you're completely right. I think if you're not getting that, if you are per se like working in a company which is like 99% white and you're not finding your people there, I think I'm not saying obviously quit your job. I'm saying find people outside of your job who you can talk to about this and so you don't feel alone at work and you know that right now maybe you're not um, in a place where there are a lot of people like you around you, but maybe you can talk to people and start bringing people like you into that place. That's just one example, like if you work somewhere, for example. But yeah, I think Samir's right. Having those conversations is what's going to bring awareness and bring people to those different industries. And I guess to sort of wrap up, do y'all have any, you know, pieces of work, any media, any corporations or industries that y'all appreciate that y'all think accurately represents diversity? This could be like a book, a movie, uh, you know, a business, whatever. I mean, the first thing that came to my mind was like Fenty with like the, they're like how many like shades they have. Cause like the beauty industry doesn't really take into account like darker skin tones. Like they'll have like 50 different shades of pale, but like maybe like five darker skin tones. And with Rihanna, she had like from the get go, like a lot to work with. Yeah, Rihanna's a queen, love her. She is a billionaire though. I was gonna say makeup is also like a huge like it used to be only like like foundation and like only used to be like three really pale colors and now now we're finally seeing more shades and I feel like even still some brands don't carry like all the way of the, like the whole spectrum and then also just other products too that um, don't work on like darker skin like sunscreen like. Sunscreen is not made for dark, some sunscreens not made for darker complexions. Like I just found this sunscreen that's made for like brown skin and I like really want to try it because whenever I go to the beach, I look like, I, I don't know, like baby powdered because of yeah, all the Yeah, the sun. white cast is so bad. It's like, I'm not even going to wear it at that point. I know. And then I'm like, maybe, maybe my, maybe I can handle the sun. I don't want to look like baby powdered. <laughs> But yeah, let's continue wrapping it up, Samir. Sorry. But you got you got like a book or movie or you know a organization or something like that you cherish that represents accurate diversity. Ooh, the new Percy Jackson TV show. I haven't watched it. It's not out yet, but there's just oh. so much backlash because they made one of the characters black, mm. uh, even though like like her race wasn't like that big of a thing like it's not a part central part of her character or anything it's like it's it, there's like so much hate to this little girl and i feel so bad and like the tv show and like rick riordan like the author himself is literally like fighting with these people be like shut the fuck up mm. 
shut up like it's a child like like I'm okay with this I created the book like why are you having an issue and they're like all these like millennial like millennials because they're like mid-20 people who like grew up with the books who are suddenly now having an issue yeah I saw that I like people fighting to keep people of color in things I saw that and like all across social media like this person I don't know her name but she is um, Annabelle, who was previously a white actress, and now the character is going to be portrayed by a black actress. And as you said, the author is completely fine with it. The people on social media were like sending her death threats, and like once again, like very like young, like a child, basically, probably like 12, 13 years old. For like for what? I was I saw that I was like, okay. I mean, it's a good thing that um, there's more diversity and. I don't know. I just thought it was horrible. Like, and I don't know. It was that was a very good example of Sasha because, yeah, no, the reaction to that was really bad. So that just goes to show that even though you know diversity is cool and everyone's trying to be you know projecting themselves as diverse and inclusive, clearly there are people who are not. And so yeah, yeah, not everything isn't as perfect as it seems. I guess. That's true. And, and one of the books that I cherish that really kind of embodies that idea is like, um, is a novel called B-Boy Blues by James Earl Hardy. It's like, very, it's, it's basically like a gay black romance novel that was like written in the 90s. It was known, it's known as the first hip hop gay love story. And I love it because it's so just like, it's so black, it's so queer, you know, I'm just like, this I, I felt so at home when I was reading it, and that's how you know it represents diversity. Um, like it was talking about, you know, it, it went down to the details of albums that they were listening to. Like, I loved it. I, I really did love it. It did. It did end in a toxic way, but you know, like guys, she said, not everything is as perfect as it seems. Um, and that's just how real it gets. But yeah, that's just one novel that I cherish. Um, also, Cholito which is sort of like the Hispanic version of that. Um, it's written more recently, like 2012. I just finished reading it. It was, it was so good. But it's like a love story between these like two gay, like Puerto Rican guys in New York City. Yeah, it's so cool. But, you yeah. know what? I am going to recommend a book that I think is like, I don't want to say effortlessly, effortlessly diverse, but it's not forced diversity. Like you don't feel like the author is really like, trying to get across the fact that they're being diverse and I'm like a fifth through the book maybe less but I really love it it's called A Little Life um, by Hanya Yanagihara and um, I believe that um, she is um, well she's Asian and she's an Asian woman and she's writing about these characters of a very like with a very wide spectrum of identities in terms of like race, sexuality, like family, um, class, like wealth background. And it's really interesting that she's able to write about characters who don't share her background, but do so in a way that is properly representative and doesn't feel like forced or, you know, falsely diverse as this episode is about. And there's four characters JB is African-American, Malcolm is um, half white and half black, Willem is white, and then one other character, Jude, is 
I don't think his race is ever specified because I think, I don't know, he's kind of just this ethnically ambiguous character. But, um, and also, um, you know, how, I don't know how to phrase this right, but- Wait, isn't Jude disabled though? Jude is disabled, yes, that's very important. <laughs> yeah. Disabled. And I love that, like, it's not talked about, like it's some sort of like shameful or like, really unique or like weird kind of character trait like it's just i don't want to say casually in there but it's normalized and i think that's really important like um a lot of the main characters are gay and that's like written about in a completely normal way which is good and i sort of found myself like as i was reading i was like i don't know why isn't this like overemphasized it is a big part of the characters but um you know, I just think the book is really good in terms of how the author like writes about them. So yeah, definitely check that out. And I think it's a very good example of diversity. Yeah. Um, did anybody else have any last words before we like officially wrap up? Any last recommendations? Um, yeah, cool. Um, so yeah, this was our coffee chat um episode on false diversity and how prevalent and harmful it is in our worlds and the world that we grew up we grew up in even as teenagers um so yeah thanks for tuning in and i hope y'all have a good rest of your day and thanks for listening PA Youth Voices can be heard on Germantown Community Radio, 92.9 FM, WGGTLP, and online at gtownradio.com the second and fourth Thursdays of the month at 6 p.m. Thanks, guys, for listening in.